It's Sunday Social. Everything you need to know about social media with Vaughan Davis. Social Dave Byrne talking heads kicking off the show, and I'm reliably informed that you can uh, you can win tickets. You can win tickets on this very station to go and see that man playing in your town in November. How exciting! I love that man. He's such a clever man. He's what you would call a polymath. He's interested in many many things, not just music. Bicycles, for example. He's written a whole entire book about bicycles or maybe when you're a rock star you can just pay someone else you can just pay someone else to write a book for you about bicycles oh i've got a conspiracy theory going in my own head now welcome to the show sunday social i'm vaughan davis with you right through until eight show number 215 it says here i'd love you to be part of it text me 3920 keyword live that'll pop up on the monitor in front of me you can tweet me of course at vaughan davis and i'd love you to be my twitter friend Later on, my Twitter friend, Mr. Paul Brislin, and he has got the lowdown on the very latest dating app. I actually researched that one, not him. Um, all about the new digital detox craze, gag me. I'm doing the gag me motion here in the booth. And an entire digital suite of resources if you just happen, just Cinder and Clark, to be expecting a baby. First, though... It's a rule on Sunday Social that anyone with a Wikipedia entry gets it used as their introduction. So, <clears throat> Brian Wong is a Canadian internet entrepreneur. In 2010, he co-founded KIP, a mobile app rewards platform that lets brands and companies give real-world rewards for in game achievements. More recently, he's joined the board of local business Unfiltered, was down here for that just recently, but we missed him, and he joins us on the phone now from whereabouts in the world, Brian? I'm in New York today. In, I'm in New York today. Well, I'm in Auckland today. Welcome to the show, and thanks for, uh, thanks for chatting with us. Thank you for having me. So, tell me about KIP. Firstly, K-I-I-P. Have I even pronounced that correctly? You can pronounce it however you want. Um, we get everything from keep to kip to clip, uh, but we do have a tagline, which is keep it up, keep it going. It's a keeper, so generally speaking, it's a keep. Um, but uh, yeah, keep in a nutshell is a mobile engagement platform, which in English just means we help brands engage consumers in their mobile apps, which is where, as we know, a lot of folks are spending their time these days. And so we know that ads get really annoying 
Um, and so we actually picked a way to engage folks that involves incorporating rewards and ads together. So we feel that if, let's say, you're in a fitness app and you finish a run, wouldn't it be great for Gatorade to be there to reward you rather than just throw an ad up or a McDonald's, perhaps, that might not have been appropriate being there as well? So that's generally how we work. I think that would be entirely appropriate. Calories in, calories out. Go for a run, get a big man. Yeah, pound, pound that I sucker. Think personally. <laughs> exactly. The last, the last thing you need is some goody two-shoes water. So t- talk, talk me through how this might work. So you talked about a fitness app. Um, so I download this fitness app, and usually when I download an app, I've, I've got a choice. I can choose the free one, and I know that's just a highway to, um, you know, to hell in the form of um, endless pop-up ads getting in the way of my game or my, my fitness app or whatever, or I can choose the premium version, you know, for two ninety nine and, and not see ads. Where does Keep Fit in? So we, we play mostly with free apps, and those who have seen the negative effects of having really annoying ads, which are uh, users eventually leaving. Um, So your experience is not an uncommon one. And so we work with the app developers that want to respect the user experience and then ultimately want to have advertising from brands that people actually recognize. So a lot of the ads that folks see in their apps are other apps or other games that are trying to effectively uh, steal them away. And in our case, we're going, well, why don't we actually have brands that people spend time uh, with and already buy from uh, and, you know, potentially have an alignment to the moment that they're experiencing what the brand uh, wants to communicate to them. So that that's typically our, 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 our play. We currently work with 10,000 apps. Um, some of the more well-known ones are everything from um, Hearst's properties to WebMD to a really cool fitness app called Sweatcoin, which I think is quite large in New Zealand right now, mm-hmm. and another one called Runtastic. So uh, even more that we're trying to bring on every single day, and um, we're uh, about 100 million users globally, and we continue to grow. So Hearst is uh, a United States media network, correct? Correct. So they own magazines like Cosmo and a few others. And, and this this has got to be one of my bugbears, you know. The, the, and you know, working uh, in media at least some of my week, uh, that, that it's one of the big challenges. You know, if you if you're trying to get content out widely but you need to pay the journalists to create it. So the, you know, the two ways to go until now have been either put up a paywall, which is successful for some niche publishers who've got some very special content that you'll pay for. Uh, the alternative, though, is to put up ads. And, you know, one of our, one of our publishers here, it's, it's like swatting flies. You know, you'll click on a link to a story and up will come a, a full-page banner takeover and you'll get rid of that. And up will come an invitation to subscribe and you'll get rid of that. And up will come something else. And by that time, you've forgotten what the story is. So tell me how a, an online magazine or, or newspaper might work with Keep and, and, and where the uh, interruption will come and, and what sort of reward I might get as a reader. Yeah, it's a question. So the way we look at it is how do we find the natural breaks and pauses um, that are part of your experience, right? So one reason why it's in, in annoying when you get that pop-up is you haven't even seen the article yet, right? And sometimes it's just, you know, swatting away flies. And in our case, we're going, well, let's say you just finished reading something about a really cool travel destination and you're finished or you finish scrolling through a photo gallery and you're done. And then Expedia is there to offer you a discount or Hertz is there to offer you a discount or whatever it might be. These are the experiences that we're trying to go after. 
and it being in mobile, it's, it's always fascinating because then we'll figure it out if it's the right moment. Because, okay, you might have finished reading, but let's say you're about to hop into a, a meeting or you are, it's in the middle of the day, really. You were just taking a break at mine in a Starbucks. Um, so our whole thing is maybe we should spend time engaging folks in the evening when they're actually using their devices to, uh, to take a break or to entertain themselves. Um, so it's really kind of going after the quality over quantity angle. And we think that advertising has a problem with that today because a lot of what is paid on, as you may be familiar in the media space, is on impressions. It's on frequency. It's on how many times you see something. But we realize that in mobile, the laws of physics are different. The number of times you see a brand may actually make you more annoyed rather than actually liking the brand. So we try to keep it uh, related to the, 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 the true behavior patterns and what actually matters to folks as they spend time on their phones. Well, that, that's a really interesting point. The, um, you know, the ab mobile advertising done wrong can lead you to dislike a brand and dislike the publisher. And, you know, and, and here in New Zealand, most listeners will be uh, familiar. There's one particular hardware store that uh, I've come to despise because every time I want to go to one of the big online newspapers, up comes a full-page ad for this hardware store, which is not what I was looking for. So this is people paying good money to get people to hate them. Yeah, you made the, the perfect characterization of what we saw was a big problem. And that's how we're educating brands is we're going, listen, you might feel really good in your, you know, your numbers, knowing that you've reached a lot of people and many, many times. But it actually might mean uh, some uh, decrease in brand favorability, and that's really a big problem. And, and uh, a lot of them don't realize that that's a problem. So let's talk about those numbers, and even back to the, the you know the early days of the internet when the banner was the thing. Uh, the number of people clicking on these banners was ridiculously low. And when you when you when you saw these numbers, you thought, oh wait a minute, they don't they don't mean point zero zero one percent. They mean one percent. Surely the numbers just seemed so low as to be wrong. And then coming into the mobile world, the numbers you know particularly of playing one game being advertised another, which seems sort of counterintuitive. The numbers are really low, and. It feels to me like half the clicks are just because people got fat thumbs and, and clicked the damn things by accident. Does keep work? Are you getting the click-throughs? And how does it, how does it uh, compare to the old form of online advertising? Yeah, so we actually see average click-throughs and engagement rates is what we call them uh, of 10% and more which most people fall off their chair when they hear that, and they don't realize that it's just because we're only there when we know that you will care. So, so for, and for, I for, think contrast, really, yeah, yeah. For, for contrast, that's, that's hundreds of times higher than a dumb banner, mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which, 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 is, which is, you know, music, music to an advertiser's ears. These offers, um, you know, for them to work and deliver a, a, a tangible reward, do they have to be kind of localised? You know, because I'm using a... Um, because apps, by their nature, are kind of global, right? So I'm, I'm sitting in uh, Johannesburg. I've downloaded some app, and up comes a, um, a Starbucks voucher. And there might not be a Starbucks there. H how do you manage that sort of thing as, as a, a, an advertising network? Yeah, so we, we make sure we understand key uh, data points as to what can be relevant for an advertiser. One is the location for sure. The other is the behavior they're engaged in, like I was mentioning before, which we call moments uh, targeting. Uh, and then we also look at the time of day and then even things like the weather. 
Um, so if it's a really hot day, as it is today in New York, uh, and I know it isn't hot over there right now, um, it would be different uh, items being promoted by the brand. So we try to keep those things relevant. But we And notice, though, how I've mentioned that the, I've not even mentioned age and gender. So one of the things we've, we've realized as we grow um, is as you are on their phone and you're doing certain things, uh, behaviors are almost ir- irrelevant of, of gender and age, right? So just because you exercise and you're male or female or you're young or older, it doesn't matter. You're still going to want to drink water or eat something healthy. Eat, or so eat, we know or eat, eat the Big are, Mac. I think we established, Brian, that after a good run. eat the Big Mac. Yeah, we already did. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> so if we can create these associations and help brands and advertisers start to feel less obsessed about taking your personal data, which are things around your age and gender, which is the very big issue that we were dealing with um, when it came to the Facebook data controversy um, a few weeks ago, um, there's a lot of issues now that can be solved if we just look at an approach that is conscious of what you're doing. It's really simple. We call it the ING. The behaviors you're engaging in, you're doing, reading, watching, playing, these are the things that should show what your needs are versus just who you are. So I, I missed the explanation of the acronym, the IMG. Oh, it's just the uh, suffix to... You know, oh, playing, the oh, watching, doing, oh, yes, okay. exactly, yeah. I-N-G, gotcha, yeah, you, what, what you're doing yes. ra- rather than who you're being, so, so to speak. So, but yes. behavioural-based, which, which, which makes a heck of a lot of sense. Hey, talking to Brian Wong, co-founder of uh, Internet Advertising and Reward Platform, keep back right after this. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. And welcome back to Sunday Social. I'm talking on the phone from New York with the founder of Internet Advertising and uh, Reward Platform Keep, Brian Wong. Brian, welcome back. Thank you. So all of these big business ideas have have an origin story. You've got to have an origin story, especially when you're trying to raise funds, which I'll talk about in a moment. Tell me about yours. Where where did the idea that, you know, online or mobile advertising in particular doesn't need to be uh, so intrusive come from? Yeah, so I think the issue behind advertising has always been this understanding of frequency and, and it came from television it came from from radio it came from um, media that was more lean back right where you are uh you're deciding you want to entertain yourself you're sitting on a couch and so people are used to knowing that there's going to be an ad break um and that's the problem that mobile wasn't able to solve initially when advertisers were going in there is they weren't able to naturally create ad breaks because you can do all sorts of things on your phone. You can listen to the radio, you can watch TV, and you can do hundreds if not thousands of other activities. So that's when things became a problem, and that's why there needed to be a gap that was filled by a product like ours and other places that are now trying to innovate on advertising that isn't just, uh, again, a bad or a video ad. So you, you had this idea and, you know, ideas are a dime a dozen, right? We all have ideas. Um, seven or eight years down the track, you've got, as you say, uh, you know, tens of millions of people uh, using apps that have your ads on them. How did you get from having the idea to where you are today? What was, what was the, the journey to turn that into a real-life business, into a real-life platform? 
Yeah, so my, my quick journey, I was born and raised in Vancouver. I'm Canadian. Uh, that's why I sound so goofy, like you said. I then... Um, I, th- I think, I think now, this was all so, fair. Uh, I said you sounded sexy. Let's, let's just clear that up. Uh, <laughs> sexy it is. So I, I graduated college uh, quite early, so I skipped four grades. Um, so I graduated college when I was 18, and then I moved uh, down to the U.S. And the reason was I felt that Canada was you know, a great place to grow up, but for me, at least in my interests, which was in tech and in marketing and advertising, I needed to go to another market. So I went to San Francisco. I started working at another startup. Um, and then, unfortunately, that startup started to lay people off and downsize. And that's when I uh, was basically put in a position where I felt like starting a company was probably the best, if not only, option. So then I, at the same time, coincidentally, came up with the idea. I was on a flight. I saw folks on their phones seeing a lot of annoying ads and realized that there was a big problem because they're, you know, for something to be that ubiquitous but be that hated is really odd, right? Like, why would there still be something in existence that the consumer actually doesn't want? What I discovered, though, is that it doesn't matter if you don't want it because the transaction is not happening with you. It's happening between the advertiser and the publisher. Um, but creating a universe where those things were aligned was our key priority. So we created this rewards-based angle, which, again, involves people actually caring about it, which mm-hmm. is part of the equation as to how advertisers actually pay. Anyway, so we started that. I happened to be in Silicon Valley at the time where there was a lot of angel investors. It still is. Um, and, you know, when people hear cool ideas, they generally um, invest if of course, you also have some type, some type of a track record. And I, in my case, it was really just working at a startup for a few months. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think I'm, you know, I had a unique story because I was very young at the time. And um, at 19, I raised our first round of financing, which was at the time it was actually, you know, it seems now for seed rounds very small. So it was three hundred thousand dollars, but for a 19-year-old, a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up uh, taking that on and uh, and growing. And a year later, we raised $4 million, and, and two years after that, another $11 million, and then the, go, the story goes from there. So that's how we grew. Now today, we're 100 folks across six offices. We've raised $32 million. Um, our turnover this year will be $22 million U.S., um, and we continue to grow. Um, and that's uh, how the founding story played out. And of course, it, it's it's not uh, it's not fashionable in startups to be profitable. So I'm guessing you're not. Uh, we actually hit profitability earlier this year. Look and, at you! Uh, the reason well, was we are <laughs> they're, they're going to they're going to kick you out of the startup club because you you don't have a burn. I'm rate not anymore. even cool. You're yeah, not even I'm cool. not burning. I'm not bleeding. I'm not uh, paying a full time barista to to run a copy machine in my lobby. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's been a fascinating journey. But the reason why we did it is we happen to be in the cross-section of industries that have largely fallen out of favor uh, with venture capitalists, right? So VCs always spend time on the cool stuff, right? Um, it could be AI, it could be health, uh, it could be uh, fintech, uh, you name it. Uh, but definitely not ads, which is mm-hmm. ironic because advertising basically pays for the Internet. Yeah, um, like we had talked about. So it, it's a bit, it's a bit frustrating. But but again, their sites are set on the next big, you know, uh, wave, which you know they've already made their their returns on the Facebooks and the Googles of the world. Um, so in that case, if you are in an industry that VCs aren't funding, you need to figure out ways to to last uh, for a while and be a sustainable business. Uh, and and a lot of that's just being very disciplined and very financially uh, responsible and savvy. 
there's no rocket science to it, right? So for us, it's just not being irresponsible and, and making sure that we don't overhire and we, you know, sort of maintain that balance. It's an art and science, right? The balance between uh, profitability and growth. Um, I, I could, you know, explain all of our issues, and it doesn't. It's not any different than any other companies that are thinking about that at the same time. Absolutely, and in, in the early stages, at least, you mentioned you were 19 when you kicked this off. A lot of people, a lot of investors especially, would see that as a, a reason not to invest, right? How did you turn that around? So in the early days, it was still cool. <laughs> so because we've been around for eight years. So in the early days, meaning the first four to five years, because we, we raised our last round of financing two years ago. Um, in the first four to five years, people were very uh, excited about mobile ads. And actually, I think there's a bit of a resurgence because of what happened with the Cambridge Analytica controversy um, and even with uh, GDPR coming into play. So, so um, maybe people are thinking... GDPR being the, the data regulation yeah. that the EU just put in. So we, we know that there's a lot of opportunity still. Um, but for us, it was about showing people that there's a lot of growth, that independence players can actually get a lot of traction as well. Because otherwise, we'll, I mean, this is the classic rebuttal. Well, what if Google does it? Well, Google can technically do anything because they have all the money in the world. But can you do it more nimbly, more quickly? And do you have a differentiated value prop with enough risk that a company like Google may not even enter yet because mm -hmm. they know there's too much risk? So that's kind of our angle on how we've taken it. And, it, and, it, and it's worked so far. So seven or eight years, that's like uh, 56 internet years, right? You must be about ready to move on to the next thing, surely. You know, I have a different take on this. Uh, my view is that very big companies that have long-lasting impact on society and on business uh, take decades to build. I've already committed minimum 10 years of my life to this business, so three years to go, um, and if not more. I also think our generation, meaning I think I'm a millennial, I, I think I am, um, we are very much so given this, this uh, sort of uh, perception that we, we, we drop out. We don't finish what we started. And I think there's a, a big problem with that because we accept, expect to, to be able to build a billion-dollar company in six months, which, you know, again, not everyone is a, uh, you know, an Andrew Mason, which I think was the last time that happened with, like, a Groupon. And then, you know, there's, there's more, obviously, that have happened since then. But that, to us, that, that's not what we we intend to do here. We know that there's a, a reason why we've been put on this path and uh, we've been making impact slowly but surely. And, and a lot of people now respect that. I think it was the startup mentality for a while to be the flash in the pan success, uh, but you're seeing how dangerous that is, right? There is this Silicon Valley bro culture that, you know, whatever it takes, the, you know, sort of fake it till you make it. And, and I think that's become more recognized as more harmful than good. So, um, and that is only something that was able to manifest over a few years. So you're clearly a guy who, who thinks about his place in the world and who thinks about business. You've written a book, The Cheat Code, going off the script to get more, go faster, and shortcut your way to success. And on the face of it, shortcutting your way to success is, is kind of at odds with what you're telling me here. Tell, tell me, uh, give me the cheat version for those of us who don't want to pay the 99 cents and download the book. What, what, what is The Cheat Code? Are you saying I'm contradicting myself? I well, guess. So, I, haven't, I haven't read the book, but at a surface level, you seem yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I, so why it's kind of like kind of appeasing both needs. 
the reason why it was cheat codes is because it was about a type of content that was easy to read and put down and pick up again, right? And uh-huh. and, and knowing the attention span of my generation, it's like if you if you if you have a chapter that's longer than three pages, it's like okay, I, I'm 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 done. Uh, so we wanted to keep it really quick and readable and bite sized. Um, that was really the, the nature of, of the shortcut and the cheat code component to it. However, um, you know, there's still even components in there where I wanted things to be instantly actionable and something that people could get into the habit of doing, right? So I think a lot of successful people just have developed successful habits. And for example, one of them could be just being more of a doer than a talker. Mm-hmm. And if you keep talking, you'll get in the habit of talking. If you keep doing, you'll get in the habit of doing. And a big part of the book is about iterating, experimenting, building, emailing, reaching out, getting customers, just getting traction. Because the earlier you get that traction, the more you get addicted to it. And that's why as an entrepreneur, you're addicted to creating these things. And that's the thing that I find the most fascinating rather than talking about it. Although talking about it today has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Brian Wong, co-founder of Keep. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, and you can listen back to that uh, annoyingly inspirational interview at radiolive.co.nz under shows and Sunday Social, or do what I'm going to do and have your 19-year-old child listen to it as a podcast and, uh, and and make them take notes. Make them take notes. After the break, Mr. Paul Brislin with the apps, websites and internet-y stuff of the week. Back soon. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis on Radio Live. Hey, welcome back to Sunday Social and a very big Radio Live. Welcome to Paul Brislin. How are you, buddy? I'm very good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I, I, we played earlier in the show the U2 track, Beautiful Day, and I know, I know, I know it's not trendy to uh, to like U2, but I kind of do. Well, yes. We are old, <coughs> so we're allowed to. We are old. We are. Um, mainly because certainly here in Tamaki Makaro, the weather was unexpectedly good. It was gorgeous. I was down country. It was beautiful all the way down to the Waikato, which was, is unusual. And And... I read a thing about this the other day. Um, hmm. there's, a, there's a book whose author I forget, which makes for great radio, called The Signal and the Noise. Yes. And it talks about um, data-based storytelling. So it relates to what we're talking about okay. here a little bit. This is, I'm interested in the segue. Yep. Let's, let's see it, where we're going. Well, no, it makes the point that uh, weather forecasts on, I'm sorry, radio and mm. TV and newspapers are consistently more pessimistic all around the world yeah. than the source <laughs> forecasts that come from um, the Met Service, Met service and, and places whatnot. like that. Oh. So we shouldn't be surprised that the weather was better than forecast because it usually is. So why so do they now do you, that? Now you're going to ask so why, that, do they, why the do question. they do that, I'm Paul? glad you asked that, Paul. It's because the consequences of a weather forecast yes. that turns out to be, you know, if you, if you forecast rain... right. And it's sunny. And it's sunny. Oh, no biggie. Yeah. If you forecast sunny yeah. and it rains, hey, hey you, you Mr. buggers, Weather. you spoiled my picnic. I was planning and I read and <coughs> yep. yes, I can see it. So yeah. so it is a it is a measurable effect all around the world that weather forecasts from commercial news organizations yeah. are worse than the... A uh, little tech. bit gloomy. So under-promise and over-deliver. Yes, under-promise, over-deliver, yeah. but uh, yeah, take that with a grain of salt. But I'm going to I'm gonna uh, celebrate the good weather anyway. It was wonderful. Now... The soccer, the soccer. The, You're the a uh, the, the footy, football, please. The well, I don't no, know. Please. You know what? What? 
10 years yeah. of taking two sons to stand, you know, will I stand on yeah. the sideline and they play soccer at, uh, you know, as early as 8 in the morning. Oh, uh, yes. I can call it what I like. You, you, you've earned the right at that point. Yeah. I'm five years into the netball season, and frankly, yes. Oh, I'm net, with you, you don't get that. muddy watching the netball, Paul. You get very cold out at that stadium that's packed out with kids over by Stonefields. Well, they should pack, pack in a few more kids to they warm should. it up. Yeah. Um, so, soccer. Yeah, the soccer has has gone cyber. Cyber soccer. Well, it very nearly has. Amazon, uh, ever the um, the dark horse of the content market. And Amazon Prime, I've got to say, has some very good content on it. Um, uh, has decided, yeah, let's try this sport thing on for size and has bought the rights to the UK uh, English Premier League, which is no small potatoes, uh, to screen exclusively via the internet uh, in the years to come. So this, this is this a major step <coughs> in that direction. So this means if you're in the UK and you're a football fan, which the, the, the Venn diagram circles kind of overlap uh, pretty 100%. much. 100%. Um, you can't just turn on the telly and no. watch it. You can't watch it on Sky. You can't uh, you get can't it anywhere get it from else. the BBC or ITV. No, you've got to have Amazon Prime on your um, television or on your computer, and you can you can watch uh, watch these games. Uh, I think we've got here two rounds of live matches each season in Britain, not internationally, for three years. So it's not all the games. It's just a chunk of them. But this is the first step. Um, by the uh, English Premier League into this model of maybe we can sell the rights to an internet provider and have a bigger bigger audience and reach more houses more more seamlessly and make more money. But then, but then of course the flip side becomes and and this is this is I know, I know watching football is not a right, but mm. a lot of people would consider it. To well, be a in right. the UK, it is. It is. Uh, a right. It's it is, much like watching the the rugby here. Yep. You know, that's it's creating an economic digital divide. So you can have the internet access. Yeah. Uh, but still not have the, you know, £15 a month or whatever it's going to cost you to, to watch this. Well, uh, but already in the UK, a lot of it has gone to pay TV to anyway. Pay TV much, anyway. As, much as has happened here. So, but you can go down the pub and watch well, the pay and TV. And the same thing will happen with, with all of these. They'll just, instead of having the TV plugged into a Sky Dish or the equivalent in the UK, they'll have it plugged into a broadband connection, probably Tesco broadband, knowing the UK. Uh, and you get the same thing delivered uh, over the internet that way. So it's just really the broadcast mechanism that changes. Is it over the airwaves or is it over, well, actually, the airwaves? Well, so or is it, is, it, is it controlled by, by Jeff Bezos sitting somewhere in a, in a bunker in uh, Saying, the United oh, States? Oh, you can't watch. <laughs> I'm changing the rules because I can. I'm Jeff. So, yeah, yeah, I, I am waiting for uh, Rugby New Zealand to wake up and actually get stuck into this because... Uh, I think they've left a lot of money on the table when they sign these uh, multi-year broadcast rights um, with a broadcaster who turns around and goes, "Oh yeah, no, we're going to show some of the games, but not all of them, and we're uh, we're going to, you know, we're, we're gen generally speaking, we'll give you some money, but not an awful lot." They could come straight to the end users like you and you and me and quite a few other people uh, and make a lot more money Wham, bam, directly. We should get Spark in here because the Sparks are you talking about? We should That's get right. Spark in here to talk about that sometime when they're not too busy firing everybody. Well, they've they've kind of had a busy time. Uh, they are a little busy at the moment they are a little sidetracked but i think that's yeah the 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 deal there is the very first steps along this way there are other codes that are already well ahead of it in canada you can well even here you can sign up to watch canadian ice hockey a hundred canadian dollars a year every game streamed live over the internet anytime you want day or night 4k different languages for the commentary they're making an absolute fortune there's a huge audience for 
ice hockey in Japan, in China, in Korea, in Indonesia. I mean, these places never had access to this because why would we show the ice hockey to This you? is why the internet was invented, was to take ice hockey to Indonesia. Exactly. Um, this, this actually makes me, uh, kind of totally reframes the next story we're going to talk about, Paul, because I was thinking it was a load of cod. <laughs> but uh, actually, if, if it was a choice between watching ice hockey on the internet mm. and uh, turning off all my devices and sitting under a tree, I'd take the tree. Would you? I'd Would take you? the tree. So, um, Do you well, feel a need to get away from it all and just relax and, and sing Kumbaya and contemplate? Uh, your navel. I don't. You. I, I. I seldom do. But mm. uh, this. This comes up every now and then. Uh, this next story. The idea of a digital detox. Yes. And uh, you know, by way of context, it's the digital version of a detox. And a detox, of course, is Getting rubbish. Rid of all of is the, rubbish. Yes, it doesn't work. You know, it's let's let's cleanse with lemon juice and and kombucha and you know homeopathic water vinegar um to to remove the toxins from our body well yep. we know that's rubbish uh but now we've, we've invented the digital version <laughs> which so if, likewise. You if, you, if you liked that yeah. have the digital version <laughs> yes. so uh, an auckland fella called doug moores can you guess what he does for a living paul uh does he sit cross-legged um oh you've uh, got it mat? you've got it he's yeah. a yoga teacher okay there we um go. Yoga teacher Doug Moores has declared the 1st of July to be New Zealand's Digital Detox Day, um, where we are all encouraged to turn everything off. No tweeting, no posting, no liking, no sharing, no looking at content, no downloading, no, working, no uploading, no none of that. relaxing, no playing games, no watching television. Yeah, I mean, for goodness sake, no we, we do this for eight hours a, a night anyway. Well, it's And now he wants us to do it for the other 16 hours of a particular day. Yeah. Um, not only that, Doug Moore's yoga teacher, um, this is, I'm just going to read this as it stands, okay. and I'll pass no judgment. Um, Moore's is setting up a seven-day digital detox camp for teenagers on Slipper Island, three kilometres <laughs> off Coromandel Peninsula <laughs> during the school holidays <laughs> okay all right so now i would quite like to go to slipper island because uh you can go camping there and it's really quite cheap and it's picturesque and it's just off the coromandel coast so it's gorgeous um but uh that's a by default a digital detox because there's no internet connection out oh, there i know whatsoever. but, but, so the, but the, all your devices but the, just... the idea this this fella is is uh we're not teaching yoga he is asking us to send our teenagers yes. to an island with him for three days. There once was a... No, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and, of course, you can find out more about uh, Digital Detox Day, which is um, the 1st of July. One July. I kid you not, on their Facebook page. <laughs> No more needs to be said. No I, more I needs to be said. No more needs to be said. Right I, I want to squeeze one more thing in. Yep. I want to squeeze one more thing in before the break. And this is big, big emoji news. Oh, ha do we have an emoji sting? Emoji news. News, news, news. Emoji news. Are you recording that? Yes, that can be our That's sting. Perfect. Emoji news. Well, here's our emoji news for the day. Breaking um, emoji. The salad emoji. <laughs> There's a salad emoji? I know. I had no idea. I, I have never had call for the salad emoji. No. Uh, taco emoji. Well, the taco contains salad, well, but that's, that's a whole different emoji. That's a whole emoji. different conversation. And the eggplant is sometimes put into salad. Yes, but, but we won't sometimes put either. into tacos. No. Um, the salad emoji, <laughs> at least the interpretation of it by Google, has gone vegan. 
Oh, oh yes, okay, look, yes. This All is right. along the lines of the digital detox by Auckland yoga teacher Doug Moores, isn't it? it, it anyway, it's, it's rather, I'm just going to scroll through all my emoji looking for the salad emoji to see whether or not I have ever used it. I, Only I'm, it does not show up in my recently used emoji. I'm here to tell me. you that you haven't. So yeah. what Google has done is they've taken the emoji, yeah. and emoji, if, if you have lived under a rock emoji for the last 12-year emojis, um, is the, those little pictures that you send, uh, you know, like if, a smiley you keep face. on scrolling past the smileys and you'll find yep. other stuff mum um oh i found the, broccoli the salad Look at the that. salad emoji usually features some green vegetables there it is. a little bit of tomato and a slice of egg in a taco bowl i'm gonna say well it's in a wee bowl and a slice of egg so here is what google has said they have said there is big talk about inclusion and diversity at Google, so if you need any evidence of this, Google is making this a priority. I direct your attention to the salad emoji. We've removed the egg, making oh this a more inclusive God. vegan salad. They have. They've removed the egg. I'm looking at it here. I can see slices of tomato, little bits of cucumber, and little bits of red onion. But no egg. No There's, egg. I, I think the world has gone entirely mad. Entirely, Matt. Entirely. There is no hope. Maybe we should go for that digital detox. Bring back the egg emoji. After the break, the uh, apps you just cannot do without, especially if you're expecting. Back soon. Your portal to the world of tech and social media. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. On Radio Live. And welcome back to Sunday Social, nine minutes to eight. When we click over to the weekend variety wireless, I'm Vaughan Davis with Paul Brislin with you through till then. Welcome back, Pauline. Thank you very much. Babies, though. Babies. Babies, though. It's in the air, isn't it? Know anyone who's expecting? Uh, no, there are a couple of people. There's, There's what, like nine million babies born every single day? That's a big number. It's a big Did number. Did you Google that before you came? No, I knew that from somewhere, so it must be true. That must be it's true. It's pre-internet I just, data, well, so I just, I just heard it on the radio. Well, that's so it better. must be true. Must be. Um, I, I was wondering, because I, I was thinking back to, you know, my uh, new parent days, which sure. uh, 19 years ago they yep. started. We, yep. I think we've referenced this guy twice in the show. <laughs> um and still he hasn't and, and still he's not a, out of bed a, a yet. Do, a hasn't done success. a dish. No. Well, he has. He's, actually, he's been subcontracting to my business today, doing oh, some very, very, very handy HTML. Thank you very much. Oh, very good. Um, parenting information online. And I thought, where do you go for parenting information online? Because yep. 19 years ago, you... There was no online. There was. Well, there was a little bit of online. There was there, barely online. Well, back in the day, the, the Plunkett lady came around yep. with, with, with the Plunkett book and uh, a tape measure and those scales. Have you still got the book? Oh, probably, probably, yep, yep, somewhere. Yeah, we've still got the books. These days, though, I thought I'd go have a look at the website. The Plunkett website, yep. plunkett.org.nz, is very, very good. It is, isn't it? Did there, you, did I, no, I have looked at the Plunkett website in the past. I went looking for the app, only to discover there isn't one. Well, that's quite good, though, isn't it? Well, I don't mind that there's no app, but the, the content on the website was invaluable if although, I, stuff i wish i'd known although although speaking of apps we I, we did have an idea in the break about apps um mm. and you and i have you know people who've heard uh, you and i together on the radio before will will already know what we consider to be the worst app in new zealand in the universe you definitely need a sting for that one that goes that's right. It's the Hector's <laughs> Dolphin app. Hectoring the dolphins. Hectoring the dolphins. Oh. Uh, Fifty dolphins, one app, or something like that. Yeah. Um, 
we could make it useful by repurposing it to be the Clark and Jacinda's baby app. Oh. So it goes, wee, wee, as soon as the baby's <laughs> born. <laughs> so, so its sole purpose of this app, which currently has no real purpose, uh, is to alert you when the baby turns up. Proximity alert. Yes, the baby is present. Baby tracker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baby yeah. tracker. And they could call the baby Hector if you wanted to avoid that unpleasant having to rename and rebrand the app. That would work. Hector... That- Arden. Or Hector mm. Do- Dauphin, which means prin- Do- prince, right? Oh, in, yeah, in, Dauphin. Um, Dauphin. In, yeah. uh, well, I was going for dolphin pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. In French, they could do that. I don't um, know dolphins pronounced terribly much. But, but, what, but in the meantime, in the meantime, in the meantime <coughs> Plunkett. The Plunkett website is bloody good. Um, not just the normal let's spray out the information yeah, and hope yeah, people yeah. read it, which yeah. is which is all too common. Expected. But yeah. it, had, it had good things. It had uh, a really, really good podcast. So mm. they've, they've, they've only done three episodes so far, but they're really good. They're in-depth. They're, you know, 45 minutes long good. or 35 minutes long. So, you know, sit down, you know, in the middle of the night. When, yep. you, when, when you're forced there awake. There tend to be a lot of middle-of-the-night moments. There are, and podcasts are very good for that. <coughs> so the podcasts are good. And... Um, Facebook chats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so a bit like who's that uh, who's that rooster from Z Energy? Mike Bennett? Mike oh yeah, Bennett? yeah, yeah. A bit, a bit, a bit like that. Yep. A bit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Without, 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 without the petrochemicals. <laughs> yeah. Well, petroleum jelly probably well, features. Mm, no, they don't do that anymore. Mm, you don't, don't they? Do, no, you know. That's you're smearing petroleum jelly on your baby's bottom. They sort of go probably not what we would have done back in the Stone Age. So let's probably They probably would. They now. probably would have gone to a bubbling a, a, a cal- caldera. A tar, a tar pit. A tar pit. Yeah, 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 no, no. Really? Don't do that, no. What no, about no. Vicks Vapor Rub? Oh, that's just for me now. The kids won't let me near them. I come looking for I love that stuff. So so they have a great podcast at plunkett.org.nz. They have really good Facebook chats. So the Facebook uh, page is uh, is really worth signing up to. They're live video chats, so you know you ask a qu- you know you send in your questions, yep. and the Plunkett experts just sit there and uh, chat away, run quite, through quite, them, and, um, yeah, excellent, yeah, entertainingly, and answer the questions. Really now cool. I did have a look for baby raising apps, figuring there must be a, a, th- a bajillion of them out there, and there are, and they should all to a man be avoided. They should all get in the sea. They should get in the sea. They are all apps for measuring your baby's performance as a baby. How big's their head? How long's their limbs? How how much have they eaten? Let's track everything. This is not what baby raising is all about, people. Well, that that's what that's what I uh, I'm I'm not going to pronounce I'm not going to pronounce that so oh, I, so sort of emph- emphatically as you. Yeah. But um, you know, I, I had to look for some baby raising apps too because again, when I was raising a baby, uh, yeah, no, there so were many. no baby no, raising no apps. No smartphones. Um, the the most popular one as far as I can tell, it's called Baby Connect. So if this is mm. the most popular, this is the one people are downloading. Uh, but it's all about the schedules. It's yeah, all about it's, the, the right. it's all about the numbers. It's all about when the next feeding is due. And then you can just share that information by a file to your nanny and say, you know, here's the baby. <laughs> here's the Why baby. Why bother having a kid if you're going to outsource the whole experience? Well, I suppose. Yeah, I, no, suppose. Yes. I suppose. I just... um, but, but the thing that, that takes it um, even further is baby activity trackers so ah so in your day mr brisbane there yes. would have been baby monitors which That's is right. if you have you know you, yeah, you yeah, listen and you can you can hear you know chortles the, and the happy chortles and, or, yeah, or and the occasional <coughs> grunting and oh that's not going to be good i'm not going in there for a while yes, or yes. Pre- yeah trying to pretend to be asleep that's um right. but now never did fisher, that to you. No, fisher never. price fisher price will sell you 
um, a wearable monitor for your baby. An EPIRB for your baby. Well, kind of an EPIRB yeah, yeah. for your baby. So I like it. It, it, straps, it straps around your baby's thigh. Okay. So I guess Chunky your baby thighs. can't chew it yeah, off. Yeah, and when something. they're crawling, they're not going to leave it behind somewhere. Yeah, and and constantly reports through Wi-Fi in your, mm. in your house, I guess, or, or a Bluetooth station. I'm not sure how it does it. Um, activity, yeah, heart rate, uh. whether the baby's awake or asleep, all uh. those things uh. alerts you if uh, parameters, uh, preset parameters uh, are not met. Yeah. <laughs> Should be walking by now. You're a bad mother. Or, I can see it now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I quite like the idea of a, a, of a baby tracker having lost uh, at least one child for more than one minute How many do you time. used to have? I've, well, I, you've got two I've now. I've lost count. I've got two now, so that's all that counts, really. Okay. It's a good average. Um, but having, having mislaid them occasionally in the past, I found it would be, think it would be quite good to be able to ping well, this, them this with is my not, this is not Maybe I'll put a tile yeah, on tile, them. Yeah, tile, <laughs> tile, tile Wi-Fi trackers. That's right. Um, this is not, this goes, this is this not tile well for babies. Beyond. This is... This is is your baby moving or not moving? Yeah. Is your baby heart rate indicating it's alive? <laughs> not, not alive, but yeah, yeah. awake or asleep? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And clearly these are popular because uh, Fisher-Price is selling them, but uh, critics are saying, we know, you're, you're basically outsourcing your monitoring and your yeah, engagement exactly. with the baby. It's like, hey, well, I have, yeah. you know, the, the red light hasn't come on. So I'll, I, just won't, I just won't go in there. I'll just be fine. I'll just stay here um, on Facebook chatting with my friends well no you won't because you will have uh, you will have followed the advice of the <laughs> auckland yoga teacher and taken the first of july off as a digital digital vomit noise detox hey paul brisbane thank you so much Any for joining time. me tonight it's been a pleasure brian wong from keep sarah and yaz in the booth knocking it out of the park weekend variety while this is next i'm vaughn davis nighty night